0: I'm Pastor Steve, it's my privilege to open up God's Word with us today and just focus in on what He has to teach us from His Word. I'm going to pray and then we'll start talking about the Gospel of Matthew. Father, we thank You that You revealed Yourself to us. You revealed Yourself to us in Your creative work. You revealed Yourself to us in the Bible. And You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Son. We pray that you would encourage us from your word today and teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a study in the book of Matthew and today we are looking in Matthew chapter 10 starting in verse 32 down through chapter 11 verse 1. I'm going to read that out loud and you can follow along in your copy of the Bible. Matthew chapter 10 starting in verse 32 therefore everyone who confesses me before men i will also confess him before my father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men i will also deny him before my father who is in heaven do not think that i came to bring peace on earth i did not come to bring peace but a sword for i came to set a man against his father And a daughter against her mother. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it he who receives you he who receives you receives me and he who receives me excuse me and he receives me receives him who sent me he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink. Truly I say to you he shall not lose his reward. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his twelve disciples. He departed from there to teach and preach in the cities we've noticed in the last few weeks in our study here in Matthew that in chapter 10 verses 5 through 20 Jesus is giving specific instructions to the 12 in his commissioning of them but those instructions go beyond the 12 to ultimately all of Jesus followers And in those instructions. And in that call. To all of his followers. To be his witnesses. To testify of him. We saw. In chapter 10 verses 21 through 31 last week. That Jesus challenges his hearers. To expect rejection. Because if people see. Jesus in us, if they're rejecting Jesus, they will reject us. So Jesus says, expect rejection, expect persecution. But at the same time, don't fear. Don't be afraid. In fact, he leads into the section that we look at today in verse 32. Having been told to expect rejection. And not to fear. He begins this section with a promise. A promise that. When we identify with Jesus Christ. We are identifying with his word. And that is a sign of our faith in him. And those of us. Who are believing in the person of Jesus Christ. Will find acceptance. With the father. With our heavenly father. So Jesus today is going to talk about what it really looks like. To be a Jesus follower. A disciple. What does the life of a disciple. One who believes in the person of Jesus Christ. And then follows after him. What should that look like? And we are going to see that ultimately Jesus teaches. And the rest of the New Testament teaches. That to be a Jesus follower ultimately means. That Jesus is to have first place in every aspect of our lives first place in everything and we see the Apostle Paul with that same perspective and the Apostle Peter with that same perspective I'm just going to read in quick succession Some verses that talk in the New Testament about Jesus having first place. The first is in Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 when we read He also is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20, we read this. 1 Corinthians 6. 19 and 20. Or do you not know. That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you. Whom you have from God. And that you are not your own. For you have been bought. With a price. Therefore. Glorify God. In your body. And finally. Out of the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1 verses 17 through 21 we read this if you address his father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers but with precious blood As of a lamb unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. But it has appeared in these last times. For the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God. Who raised him from the dead. And gave him glory. So that your faith and hope are in God. The whole tenor of the New Testament. Is teaching us that for those of us. Who have put our trust in the person of Jesus Christ, meaning that at some point in our life we came to the realization that we did not deserve to be in relationship with God because we're sinners. We've thun- we've done things, we've thought things that are contrary to God's character and what He says is right and wrong in the Bible, and because of our sin. We are separated from Him and we can't fix it. And God can't just ignore our sin because it would violate His very righteous, holy character. But God, in His righteousness, actually punishes sin because it deserves to be punished. But He's also a God of love and sent His one and only Son to earth, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. To be born of a virgin and live a sinless life on earth so that he would be a suitable substitute for us and died on the cross for us and then rose again from the dead proving that he is God. At the moment a person puts their trust in the person of Jesus Christ believing that he is God who died for me and rose again from the dead at that moment we belong to him. And in a very real way the New Testament tells us that he has purchased us with his blood out of bondage to sin. One of my all time favorite films is the Liam Neeson version of Les Mis. I have never read Victor Hugo's book Les Miserables. I need to but it is really long. I've not seen in person the Broadway play. I'd love to sometime. But I love the film. And one of my favorite parts in the film. Is when Liam Neeson's character Jean Valjean. Who has been in prison because he stole some bread. Is released on parole. And as a parolee he's he can't get work no one will come alongside of him until he comes to the home of a local bishop a clergyman and this man feeds him and allows him to get cleaned up and lets him spend the night and during the night Jean Valjean goes downstairs steals the bishop's Silverware, Which is actually made out of silver. Hits the bishop over the head and flees. Then the constable brings Jean Valjean back to the bishop's house. They catch him. And they come to the bishop and they say. This guy is saying that you gave him the silverware. And without a beat the bishop says. Jean Valjean. I told you. Not to forget the candlesticks. Why didn't you take the candlesticks too? Did you forget? And the constable is just. Fearful now. Because evidently. Jean Valjean has been telling the truth. Even though he was lying. And the bishop. After the constable leaves. Looks into Jean Valjean's eyes. And says this. Don't. Forget. Don't ever forget, Jean Valjean, my brother. You no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. I ransomed you from fear and hatred, and now I give you back to God. If you haven't seen it, it's a wonderful film about grace. And about, there's another character who cannot grasp grace. And in the legalism of his life, he can never accept grace. And yet, Jean Valjean is shown grace. And he realizes that he has been purchased out of his desperate situation. And Jesus... In his teaching and the apostles after him also teach us that we too have been purchased we have been purchased out of a hopeless situation lost in our sin and the moment we put our faith in Jesus his purchase price for our sin when he died on the cross That purchase price is credited to the account of our lives. And from that moment forward. The New Testament sees us as purchased people redeemed. And because we are a redeemed people. Jesus Christ is to have first place in every aspect Of our life. And so that's his message here. In this first part in verses 32 through 39. Jesus is telling the disciples. To put him in first place. Look with me at verse 32 again. It's a promise. Everyone who confesses me before men. I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Now, the apostle Paul also sees that as Jesus followers, we are supposed to be public about that. He tells us in Romans chapter one, verse 16, these words, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Romans chapter 10 verse 9 Paul also writes this. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. So We see Jesus saying that there is to be a public aspect to our faith. The Apostle Paul says there is to be a public aspect to our faith. Here what Jesus is saying is simply this. If we align ourselves with the person of Jesus Christ. If we align ourselves with his word. If we are identifying ourselves with him. That is a sign that we believe in him. And those who believe in Jesus Christ will never be rejected by the Father. But those who deny Jesus Christ will be denied by the Father. Now Jesus knows perfectly well here what Peter's going to do. And Jesus is not saying that just because a person falls short in their faith periodically that they are not His. In fact, Jesus knowing what Peter is going to do and denying him in Luke chapter 22 verse 31 through 34. It actually records for us Jesus words to Peter and he says Simon Simon behold Satan has demanded permission to shift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you when once you have turned again strengthen your brothers but he said to him Lord with you I'm ready to go both to prison and to death and he said I say to you Peter the rooster will not crow today until you've denied three times that you know me Jesus knows fully well what Peter's going to do what he's talking about here Is not necessarily a lack of faith in the part of one who believes in him. But rather a rejection of Jesus' person. Like the Pharisees of his day. So Jesus is saying, if you believe in the person of Jesus, him. You will be accepted by the father. But if you reject Jesus, you will be rejected by the father. So he goes on from that point, from that promise, talking about what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. Again, in order to be a true disciple, a person has to move from being curious about who Jesus is to being convinced. We move from being curious, who is this person, Jesus Christ, to being convinced that Jesus is God... That he died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. At that moment we become a disciple. A Jesus follower. But our following Jesus doesn't just stop at the point of belief. It doesn't just stop at becoming a Christian as the New Testament defines it. We are to continually follow him. To be grow in our commitment to him in every aspect of our life. And here Jesus is talking about him having first place in every aspect of our lives. And so in verses 34 through 36. He dispels a common thought of the day. You see Israel was thinking that Messiah is coming. But they are looking for a political savior. They are looking for a political Messiah. One who will come in and usher in peace. And Jesus here says don't expect a political Messiah. I think there's still a few people expecting a political Messiah today. Not going to happen. The solutions to our world are not going to come through politics. And here Jesus is saying you're expecting this political ruler to come in and bring peace. Uh, it's not going to happen for me. In fact Jesus says that he will actually bring disunity. Because people will divide because of him. Look at his description. Don't think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father. A daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be The members of his household. And Jesus is quoting from Micah chapter 7 verse 6. During the reign of King Ahaz. Israel's prophets were rejected by the people. And Jesus is saying that same rejection is going to happen. Because of him. That even within a family unit. Some within the family unit. Will put their faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And others will reject him. But all through this section. Jesus is affirming his followers. Is it easy to be a Jesus follower? No way. In fact Jesus we saw last week said. Expect rejection. Expect persecution. Expect times even within a nuclear family. Where you will be rejected because of your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. But don't fear. In fact, Jesus goes on and says in verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The ultimate test of Jesus' obedience to his heavenly father was the cross, right? So when Jesus says, take up your cross, he's saying... We take up our cross when we obey God and what God is asking us to do. So Jesus is describing the life of a disciple. A disciple begins being a true disciple when we put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Believing that he is God who died for me on the cross and rose again from the dead. And as we continue to follow Him, it's not an easy journey. There are times when we'll be rejected, some even persecuted. There'll be times within a nuclear family, there'll be disunity because some will believe in Jesus and some won't. And you can even experience rejection for being a Jesus follower within a nuclear family. And some would look at that and say, Well that's, that's too heavy of a cost. And Jesus addresses that in verse 39. He who's found his life will lose it. Meaning, if I'm just focused on me, if I go through this life here on earth, just focused about my needs and what I want and what's best for me, that's a lost life. But he who loses his life for my sake, will find it there was a man who was part of our church family here at faith bible church for years and years and years most of you in the room did not know him he passed away a few years ago his name was glenn and as glenn grew older he was not able to come to services anymore but Very regularly Glenn would drive up to the front of the church facility during the week. And it took him about 5 minutes to get from the parking lot inside the church facility. Because he didn't walk very well anymore. And he would come into my office and just talk. And Glenn would talk about scripture that he was studying. And he would talk about what it would be like to be in heaven And I grew to just really love those times with Glenn. One day Glenn told me about how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He was was married. He was an adult. Uh, He worked at Collins. And he put his faith in Jesus Christ as an adult man. And was So excited about his new faith in Christ. And came home and shared with his wife about his new faith in Jesus. So excited to finally be at peace with God. Because he would put his trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And one day he comes home and looks. And his wife had taken his Bible and thrown it out into the street. And Glenn was just heartbroken. That he had experienced that level of rejection. That his wife would take this book. That had become a new source of encouragement and hope for him. And had cast it out in the street. Not wanting to have anything to do with this new faith that Glenn had found. And to the best of my knowledge Glenn lived his entire married life that way. With that level of animosity toward Jesus Christ in Glenn's life. You know, being a Jesus follower is not always easy. In fact, Jesus says to expect the opposite. To expect rejection. Sometimes persecution. But, as Jesus says here, He who has lost his life for my sake... We'll find it. And Jesus is going to go on and talk about the rewards waiting the Jesus follower for serving him. You know, Jesus here is not saying that a man should not love his wife or a wife should not love her husband or a husband and wife should not love their children. We know the apostle Paul in first Corinthians chapter seven, Verses 32-35 through recognizes the need for a husband to serve the needs of his wife. For a wife to serve the needs of her husband. For example, in verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 7. It says, I want you to be free from concern. He's encouraging people not to get married. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be both holy in body and spirit. But one who's married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say not for your, this I say for your own benefit, not to put restraint upon you. But to promote what is appropriate. And to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. So Paul's point. Is that for a person who is single. Rejoice in that singleness. Because it gives you a greater opportunity. To have undistracted undistracted devotion. And service to Jesus Christ. But if you choose to marry. You have done nothing wrong. And Paul says that. But if you are married. Part of your. Mental and social and spiritual energy is spent serving the needs not only of Jesus Christ. But also your family and your children. And in doing so you are serving Christ. So Jesus here is not trying to somehow say that as a Christian we shouldn't be concerned about the needs of our family. He is saying that even within a nuclear family, Jesus is to have first place. You know, it seems to me like in our culture we have pendulum swings. When I was like in junior high and high school, I can remember maybe my dad coming to two of my basketball games. Now the pendulums seen and I think he should have been at a few more, but he just couldn't. But now the pendulum seems to go the other way sometimes where today as parents we feel this huge level of guilt if we're not able to be at every function and every aspect of it. And sometimes it's easy for us as family units, either a husband toward a wife or a husband toward children or uh, parents toward children. Sometimes it's actually easy for us to put our family ahead Of God. And one thing is for sure. We should never. Put someone. In such a position. That by doing so. We are disobeying God in the process. Jesus says. The life of the disciple. Just like it says in Mark 8.34. Is to deny ourselves. Say no to self. Take up our cross. Obey him. And then daily. Follow after him. Continually saying no to self. Taking up the cross. It's not an easy journey. And all through this section. Jesus has said. Expect. Rejection. Expect persecution. But there is reward. Look with me at verses 40. 41 and 42. Because we see that God. Does reward those who serve him. Verse 40, he who receives you receives me. Remember Jesus is sending out the 12 and ultimately all the disciples. And so if someone comes and says I am here in the name of the person of Jesus Christ. And that person is welcomed into a stranger's home. In a sense they are not only welcoming that person but they are welcoming Jesus into their home. Because Jesus' servant is representing Jesus. And so here Jesus says, if somebody's accepting you, they're accepting me. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And then he starts talking about three categories. He talks about the prophet, the righteous man, and these little ones. And those are not necessarily mutually exclusive. He's talking about those who are God's mouthpiece, the prophet. The righteous ones, righteous one could be any person who is a Jesus follower. He even talks about these little ones. And then here in these verses, he's not talking about children. He's just talking really probably about the same ones, the prophet and the righteous man, referring to like the least of these, even the least of these in the kingdom. Here's Jesus' point. If I see someone serving Jesus Christ, And I undergird them. If I encourage them. If I aid them. I share in their reward. Now that's really cool. That's why we often talk. Faith Bible Church is committed to foreign missions. Taking the good news of Jesus Christ to every corner of the globe. These verses remind us. That when I pray for that missionary. When I send a letter to that missionary. When I give financially to that missionary. When I call up that missionary. And encourage them. When they are on home assignment. If I take them out for a meal. And just encourage them. If I am faithful to them. The reward that they get in the kingdom. I am going to share in it. You see. God. Notices. Everything done in the name of Jesus Christ. He doesn't forget. And it's not always just the person on the front line. That's going to get the reward. All of us who will share in that reward. As we undergird the servant. In a very real way. If I'm serving a person who's serving. I share in that server's reward. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He even says, even if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, one of the least of these in the kingdom, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Early on in my ministry, when I was first became a pastor, I was 26 years old. Seems like a long time ago. I actually had hair. And, uh, as a 26 year old, I became a pastor. But I had never taken any courses in seminary and graduate school on how to be a pastor because I didn't think I was going to be a pastor. I took all my coursework in ancient Near Eastern languages and, and I maybe just had like a couple of courses on how to be a pastor. Plus I was in a very remote area where there were not a lot of other pastors that believed the same things I did about the Bible near me. So it was hard sometimes. And I was having a hard day and the mail came. And I received this letter addressed to me from a woman. And I could tell from the return address that I did not know the woman. And secondly, she was a resident at the nursing home in our little town. Luther Memorial Home was the name of it. And I opened up this card and I, and I, and I read it from this person who is a complete stranger to me. And this complete stranger, who, to the best of my knowledge, also had no connection to the church that I pastored, wrote a long note to me inside and reminded me that she prays for me daily. I cannot tell you how much that encouraged me, because it were and, and actually, when she demonstrated that love to me, I just felt the love of Jesus being demonstrated to me. And the fact that she didn't even know me just reminded me that God's intimately aware of what's going on in my life. God's intimately aware that I'm discouraged right now. God is the one who's encouraging me through this sister in Jesus Christ that I don't even know. And it's so often that we don't even realize the impact we can have on a brother or sister in Christ. Sometimes we don't even know what they're going through. But I encourage you. If you sense within your spirit. Just to reach out to a brother or sister in Christ. Within our church family. Or outside of our church family. That you just want to encourage them. Do it. And Jesus reminds us here. That when we serve. A fellow brother or sister in Christ. Even in as Jesus puts it here, something as little as giving a drink of water. He says, we have reward in heaven because you see, God views things different than we do. And God's not looking for the spectacular. God's looking at the heart. And if we're serving Jesus out of our heart, regardless of what that looks like, Jesus notices and knows. Nothing done for the Lord goes unnoticed. And if we're serving someone who's serving Jesus, we are serving Jesus. And Jesus here says, if we are serving someone who's serving him, we actually share their reward. Bottom line, Jesus deserves first place. In our lives. If you're here today and you don't know for sure if you are right with God or not, I would encourage you, the Bible is really clear that being right with God is not a matter of doing right things. Being right with God is not a matter of trying to be a good person. Being right with God has everything to do with a person. The person Jesus Christ. And at the moment we put our faith in him. His payment for our sin gets credited to our life. And if you're not sure how you stand with God. One of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church will be back in our prayer room directly behind us here. We've got some material in there. You can just say, hey, can I have some of that material Steve was talking about? They'd be happy to give it to you. Or maybe you want some of that material to give to a coworker or a relative. Just stop back. We have a little booklet that a person can just take their own Bible, open up the first chapter of that booklet, and read verses in your Bible that show you how you can know for sure that you're right with God. Or maybe you're here today and you just really sense within your, within your inner person that you want to spend some time praying. Please utilize the prayer room after the service. Father, I thank you for your grace, for your love extended to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And the hope that we have in him. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.